you know, so I ended up going out there. It might be good. Who knows? We might start a, a fire of revival. But anyway, then I had a delay going coming back. And the weather kept me from flying to Charlotte, which kept me from landing in St. Louis at 5.30. Actually, the plane that was supposed to come didn't arrive until after 5.30, but they had already told us we had to rebook. And so I rebooked my flight with several other people, about 120 people. And uh, mine, they routed me through Washington, D.C. And so, I don't know, wherever your feet tread, the Lord said is yours. You know, so I claimed it for Jesus, walked around. And uh, anyway, I didn't get back to the airport until after midnight. And by the time my car was at the hotel that I'd stayed in the night before I left there to Peritrean Inn, we do that often. I'd l fortunately, I knew I better get a room. My wife said, do not drive back after that. Because I have a tendency of kind of getting real relaxed and getting off on that kabunk, 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 kabunk. So uh, she said, Don't you dare drive back, get your room. So I, I ordered it before I left for D.C., and they had a room. When I got there, people were wanting rooms, and there was no more rooms because there were several flights canceled to St. Louis. So I was fortunate I had a room. Anyway, I got to bed about 2 a.m. because I still wound up. And I got up at 7, ran down, ate breakfast, ran back up, and went back to bed. I didn't want to miss breakfast. So went back to bed, got up at 11, and then got out of there about noon. But anyway, here I am. Signed, sealed, delivered. Pastor Ken come teach us tonight. And I sent him a message. I said, you need to teach because I'm not coming home to be able to study be able to deliver our message. So. Yeah, well, I always appreciate the opportunity to share the Word of God, and uh, glad to have everyone here to receive, because, you know, the, the Lord knows who's going to be here. Did you know that? He's not surprised yeah. at who shows up. He knew who was going to be here. He knew what He wanted me to say, even though... You know, you may have heard it before. He still wanted me to share it. And it's going to be something that will minister into your heart. Before we do that, though, you know, I have not had an earache all day long. And in the service, I was having an earache. And usually that's an indication to me that someone is has an earache and needs to be touched. Who's that person? Brother Sherman? Okay, so Dave, just reach, stand up and reach your, your hand there and lay your hands on Sherman. Anybody else? Okay, Philip. So Dennis, go over there and pray for Philip, all right? Agree together right now that in Jesus' name, a word of knowledge is given so that something can be done. And something will be done by the power of the name of Jesus. Whatever has caused that problem with the ear, with the eustachian tube, whatever it is, that blockage, in Jesus' name we speak healing to that. And we say, 
be well in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Brother Sherman, how's your ear? Is it better? Praise the Lord. Philip? Is it better? Huh? Amen. We're just going to continue to believe that they're going to get better and better as it goes on. Amen. All right. Well, let's look into the Word of God tonight. Because the Word of God is the best place to go when you're ministering. You know, I, I've seen people stand up and minister without even opening the Word of God. And I wonder, well, how in the world can they do that? Because it's not really something that they're sharing. They're just sharing maybe a testimony or out of what they, they know. But we have such a great Word. It's right here. And there go my notes, see? But we have, we have such a great word to share, and it's life. When we give the word of God, we give life. Psalm 127, as we continue on in this uh, series on the spiritual house, Psalm 127, except the Lord build the house, those who labor build labor in vain. Except the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is on this premise that this ministry is built, that this is the Lord's ministry. It's not built upon a whim to say, well, this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to uproot ourselves and come up here all the way from Florida and pastor to, to resign a, a church that's running a thousand and uh, us to come up here and just find a place to live and and. and expect that, well, it's going to happen. I've been there, done that on my own. It didn't happen. <laughs> but you know, when it's the Lord, and when the anointing is there, when pastor stepped forward and said, this is where it's going to be, how it's going to be. This is what the Lord wants. And it's established. And now here we are in our 19th year. This fall, this October, it'll be 19 years. Isn't that something? You know, when uh, Pastor felt that he was to come up here and he asked me if I would come along with him and help to start the ministry training, it quickened in my spirit. I said, this is, this is what has to be. I have, I have to go. I was working at Orkin at the time as a, as a, a salesperson and I was talking to Pastor Kevin, and I said, well, when will it be time to go? He says, well, I don't know. And it wasn't but about a month later, maybe not even, they told me at Orkin down there, they said, well, your position's going to be eliminated. I said, oh, okay. You know, when, when you're walking with the Lord, you don't need to worry about if something's eliminated or not. You know, it's, it's an opportunity for God to do something. And so you know what I told them? I, I, they said, well, you know, we could transfer you to another position. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You look up at the Orkin in Poplar Bluff and see if there's a position open there. And they, they looked it up and they said, well, sure enough, there's a position open in Poplar Bluff for sales or the service manager, which I had done both of those positions. But, you know, they didn't want to 
they didn't want to offer me the service manager job because then they would have to pay for my transport, right? But the church took up a wonderful offering, and that paid for my transportation <laughs> but, and the moving expenses. But God opened that door. That at the right time, there was that position that was open. And when I got there, then they interviewed me and said, well, you can have this position as service manager. And, and that's where I stepped into. Because it was God's will, God's timing, and what God does is perfect. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. And if you order your way before Him and allow Him to be the leader and directing, uh, director of your life, there is no stopping of what God is going to do. The early church found that out. They did. In fact, it was said of the early church, these are the ones that have turned the world upside down. That's what the world was saying, but we, we would probably put it differently. We would say, these are the ones that turn the world uh, right side up. Because that's what we've got to do. You know, I was reading today and uh, where it says in the Word that they will begin to call evil good and good evil. You know, and, and that's a prophetic word from, from the Old Testament. And that is happening even now. You know, and we have to make this stand like Sister Tara was talking about to make a stand against the enemy and to say there is going to be a move of God. There is going to be something that God is going to do. And it's going to be something that lasts. Amen. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, and for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, my Bible, again, may read a little different. It's a, a different translation, but it's very close. So just bear with me as you follow along, all right? For the building up of the body of Christ until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we may no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness, with deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things unto him, who is the head, Christ himself from whom the whole body is joined together and connected by every joint and ligament as every part effectively does its work and grows, building itself up in love. I notice that on the uh, title page, one of the things it says there is that God is building his church through team ministry, through the equipping of the saints. Each one of us are being equipped to do what God wants us to do. And I don't know what I'm going to be entirely when I grow up, Nelson, but I know that God's got a great work for me, just like he's got a great work for you. You know, and, and we can never say, you know, well, I'm, I'm at the end. I'm never going to retire. I may have retired from secular work, but I'm never going to retire from the work of the Lord. I'm always going to be do doing something for God. I like what Brother Eddie said Sunday. He said, I'm going to live to be as old as Methuselah. 
And somebody else later asked him, well, how old are you, Eddie? He says, I'm going to be 65. And uh, I told him, he said, I said, well, you got 905 year, four years to go. And so you can be 969. And, and the point of that is this. Our mindset should be, I have a ministry. My ministry may not be at a pulpit. My ministry may be one-on-one, -on -one, but I have a ministry. I have something that God wants me to do. I have something that no one else can do except me. And so I am going to do all that I can in order to do that. And Pastor Kevin and I and others will be here to help you to get equipped for that. And it says there, this is for the, the five-fold ministry, which is what we call those, the pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That's the five-fold ministry. So it is for the purpose of equipping the saints. Now, that same word is used, that equip for, work for equipping is used in Matthew 4, 21. I don't know if they're, they even got that up, and I didn't even intend for them to get that up. Let me turn and read it. Like the disciples in Matthew 4.21, who mended their nets to go back to fish, we are equipped by the fivefold ministry to do ministry. The, they were mending their nets. Had they used their nets before? Yes. And so when they came to the shore... They were mending their nets so that they could go back out again. The fivefold ministry, part of what is happening is your nets are being mended. Our nets are being mended. Hello? Some of us have had difficulties such as emotional problems. And it's okay. Man, when, when my first wife left me, I was a basket case. I had to go through some counseling. And then Pastor Kevin come along doing the work of the apostle, and he says, come on and work with me. And through that process of teaching 25 years ago, 30 years ago, <laughs> 30 years ago as that began, yeah, he helped to begin to restore me, to equip me to mend the nets in that area of my life. So sometimes we get need an emotional mending. Sometimes we need a spiritual mending because the devil wants to beat us up. And so we get a spiritual mending that goes on, a lifting up and encouragement. Sometimes we get a physical mending, like what's happened tonight some, and what happened on Sunday as the, the people had received a healing in their bodies. Sometimes there's a physical healing. Not that we're doctors and we will never tell you, you go home now and quit taking that medicine because you're healed. We'll never tell you that because that's not our position. Our position is to tell you, you are healed. And then, like Jesus told the, the lepers, go and show yourself to the doctors. <laughs> Except he told them, go and show yourself to the priests. Because that's what the, the rule was, that they would go and show themselves to the priest if they were healed of their leprosy. So we receive all kinds of healing. Sometimes we receive a healing of just being able to become social again. 
How many have ever been agoraphobic? Maybe you not are or have been, and you don't even know what that was. But it is the fear of going out into public places. It's the fear of, you know, you just want to be at home by yourself. A lot of people go through that. There is healing here in this house for that. Amen. There is healing for any kind of thing that's going on in your life because the Lord is able to do that. He's able to mend your nets. Now, secondly, I want to tell you this. Ministry is work. It says we're being trained and equipped for the work of the ministry. Ministry is work. Now, lest we get a little bit ahead of ourselves here, we must realize that we're not the ones doing the work. Holy Spirit is the one doing the work, but we are the ones that are yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that He can work through us what is needed to be done. But we have to be the willing vessel to say, Yes, Lord, I will do that. Yes, Lord, I will obey. Yes, Lord, I will get the training I need. Yes, Lord, I will take the steps I need. Yes, Lord, I'll go to prayer. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. Whatever it is He wants you to do. And then, thirdly, we are edified, which that word means to be built up, in order so that we can minister. And you know what? Pastor Kevin's very positive. And I'm very positive. And if you start talking negative about my friend, and that's you, you start talking negative about yourself, my friend, you know, we're not going to agree with you because we want you to be whole. We want you to be equipped and to be encouraged and to be built up and to be edified to be the person that God wants you to be. But, of course, our focus is always Christ. And Christ gets all of the glory for anything that is done. It's, it's not any particular man or woman that gets the glory. It's Christ. And we must hold fast to Him. Because apart from Him, we have no ministry. In John chapter 15, Jesus laid it out. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If, if you get apart from me, you're nothing. But if you stay in me, if you abide in me, then you will bear fruit fruit, then you will bear more fruit, then you will bear fruit that remains. As you look at John 15, that's how the progression goes. But if we abide in Christ, so we can never say, well, I, I am just uh, going to go out here and do my own thing. You know, I talked to a woman several years ago uh, at uh, my mother and dad's house. I was in college and on spring break and and I was out weeding the flower garden in the front yard. And these two women walk up. Guess, you know, who they were, you know. Uh, they were out trying to evangelize. So they walked up, and, and I proceeded to talk to them. And uh, come to find out, the one who was doing the main speaking used to attend a Lutheran church. And as I talked to her, found out that we agreed to a, a lot of things about Christ. I said, well, you know, we agree about things. Why did you ever leave the, the church to go with this cult? Well, you know, just something happened. And, you know, I said, well, but the Scripture tells us that we don't want to be tossed to and fro and go here and there and be deceived. And you know what? The, the other girl was a teenager. She didn't hardly say anything. But my parents said, 
that all the time that they lived at that house, that cult never came back to their house. And you know what I hope happened, and I believe happened, is that that woman went back, turned in her books, and said, I'm going back to the Lord. I'm going back to the church because I believe that that's where I want to be, not with this group, you know. So we have, a, you know, that was just a simple exercise that I did in just talking to her about her relationship with Christ right there on the front porch with dirty fingers. And that don't matter if you got dirty fingers or not. If your heart's clean and you're sharing about the Lord, isn't that wonderful? And, you know, we have that ministry as we walk in Him. Number five, and we're, then we're going to go on. We walk in the truth, we live in the truth, and we speak the truth. Well, let's ask this question then. What does Christ say about you? I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am forgiven. I am on my way to heaven. Hello? What does Christ say about me? He says, I am healed, right? Amen. What does Christ say about me? I am delivered. What does he say about me? I am filled with his Holy Spirit. What does he say about me? I am up for any task he sets before me. Amen. What does he say about me? I am blessed and highly favored. And that's what he says about you. Amen. We walk in the truth, we live in the truth, and we speak the truth. Amen. So who are these fivefold ministries? And I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, the Lord just, it, it just felt prompted to share it again. Maybe some have not heard this. Who are these fivefold ministries that he's talking about here? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know, when I was with the Assemblies of God, uh, I had a fellow come and into the office there, and he said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm a prophet. And, you know, just being in the denomination, immediately I didn't open up to that because we didn't believe in prophets. We believed in pastors. Oh, we had evangelists. We had people that traveled around and, and booked meetings and came and held meetings, and usually they were for a certain number of days, and they took offerings to support themselves. Those were the evangelists. Did they have people saved? Not necessarily. <laughs> I think they were more traveling teachers. I mean, I enjoyed the services, but, but some of them were quite entertaining, you know. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, you know, the fivefold ministry seemed to have been absent in the denominational churches, except that maybe they were there and they didn't know it. Because let's look at what an apostle is. Apostle is called, we would describe them as being one who is sent. Commissioned by Christ. A witness of the resurrected Christ. Special, having special inspiration. Having supreme authority. Operating in miracles. Having an unlimited commission to preach and to found churches. Does that sound like somebody we know? Well, yeah, that sounds like Pastor Kevin. You know, there's a lot of things that are there that, that 
teach that fits the bill there. Well, wait a minute. There's one there that we may say, well, a witness of the resurrected Christ. And some people in the mainstream denominations would say, of course, there were 12 apostles. One of them was Judas. And he hung himself because he betrayed Christ. And then the 11 apostles. And after that, there were no more apostles. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Even though that's what some denominational churches say. Let me just give you a list. There were the 11, certainly. But how about Matthias? He was considered to be an apostle. How about Paul? How about Barnabas? And Silas? And Timothy? And Titus? And Andronicus? And Junica? And James, Jesus' own brother? All of those were apostles. Now, this is where, see, sometimes people with a denominational thinking want to have things in such a box that they say, this is the way it is, and it's all ordered, and so therefore nothing is out of the box and everything is cool, right? And so they say everything has to be this way, and there can no longer be apostles because now we have administrators we have superintendents. But God says, no, there are apostles. There are men and women that have been sent out to preach the gospel and to do the things that we had listed here, you know, to found churches, to start ministries. There are apostles that do just that. Amen. And God's calling more apostles every day. Do I have to be young to be an apostle? No. Do I have to be older? No. Do I have to be willing? Yep. That's really a requirement there, that you be willing to step into the ministry that God has for you. And in Acts chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, this is where Paul was first called an apostle. It says, So they continued there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to His gracious word, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people in the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. And of course, that was the apostle Barnabas and the apostle Paul. They were there, doing miracles, working signs, starting churches, doing a great ministry for the Lord. And then I want to say before we move on that in 10 out of 13 of Paul's epistles, in 10 out of 13, he specifically calls himself an apostle. Now that's pretty significant. So it wasn't just the 11, and I don't think it was just the were those in the first century. I don't think there's ever a time that the Spirit of God has ceased moving. The Spirit of God has always wanted to move, always wanted to have His man, always wanted to have His woman, always wanted to have His way in the world. And we might say that the world is a scary place. And without Christ, you're right. But with Christ, 
the world is going to be okay because the Lord is on the throne. Amen. Amen. Well, I read about these Georgia stones today online. Well, that, that is just really crazy. That's the enemy. And I'll just tell you one thing that the Georgia stones want to do. They say, and this is the globalist, right? They say world population should be 500 million. Wait a minute. There's 7.9 billion right now. So that means there's a whole lot of folks that have got to exit, right? But that ain't going to happen because the Lord's on the throne and the enemy has been against us ever since the beginning of time, but he's not going to have his way. The Lord's going to have his way. Amen. Let's go on. Uh, prophets, preachers and expounders under the immediate influence of the Holy Spirit, those who speak forth for God, and I've got a seer, C-E-R. The off, we talk about the office of a prophet, like Sister Virginia. She operates in the office of a prophet, prophetess, if you must. Okay, But what does she do? She is, what puts her in that position? She has opened herself up to the Holy Spirit to be able to see, hence a seer, to be able to see what God is wanting to speak, what God is wanting to do, just like she did a couple of Sundays ago when she stood up here and that wonderful prophecy, it's online on YouTube, you can go and see it. What a wonderful prophecy. That was a prophetic word and you could tell the anointing was upon her how that the, the heavens are open over this place. Amen. So she operates in the office of a prophet. Pastor Kevin operates in the office of a prophet. You know, one of my first experiences of a man who was a prophet was years ago. I was, I was Caleb's age. And we went up to St. Louis to see could the Cardinal game because I had straight-A tickets. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Okay, anyway. But we went up to a Cardinal game. And we stayed at, at my Aunt Leslie's house. And she always went to a church up there. I don't know what church it was, Pastor. Was it Florissant? It was on, it was on I, Lackland Drive, I think. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was a church. And, and the pastor would give prophetic words in the service, much like what happens here. And that really intrigued me. I was always anxious, wanting to go to see that, but I always didn't, didn't want him to call on me. <laughs> but, but you know what? That, that was really interesting to me, really intriguing to me. And, you know, as I pastored the last assembly pa church I pastored, there was a, a lady in the congregation that, that would give prophetic words. She was, she was listening to the Lord, and she received prophetic words. And I said to her, I said, what do you have a word of the Lord for me? I just really felt that she did. And I wanted to share this because the word of the Lord is not always what we want it to be. So we want to so we want to receive a word of the Lord. It's going to be a great word. It's going to be a wonderful word. And sometimes that's true. 
But the word of the Lord that she gave me was, go read in Jeremiah, where it's Jeremiah prophesied to the other prophet because the prophet had broken the the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, the wooden yoke, and Jeremiah said to him, now God has made it a, a metal yoke or a, an iron yoke. Yeah, that, that's pretty, Sister Rocky's got a scary face on. You know, that, yeah, that, that's the word she gave me. You know, but sometimes the prophetic word is like that. So what happened subsequent to that? Within just a few months, I, I was going through my family problems. You know, and then I, then I lost that marriage. That yoke was broken, and now the Lord gave me a yoke with a godly woman, Stephanie, and now we've been married twenty-seven years. Wow, does the Lord do that? Yeah, and what happens? See, it's a you know. Now, just say this: marriage is a choice, and I have to get my relationship right with the Lord first. And get my eyes on him and not just try to find somebody for myself. That's what happens. And you know you know how it happens? Sister Lucia invited me to Thanksgiving dinner because that's what they would often do, me and my boys. And Pastor Kevin invited Stephanie to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so the prophet and his wife were at work. <laughs> but, you know, God worked it out and it's a day marriage is a day-by-day process too and in a marriage there are always difficulties and there are always trials but the beauty of it is that you're together and you're working together and you're agreeing together for the things of the lord and you're walking together with the lord and that's the beautiful part of it well and i've just inserted that and rambled on pastor i'm sorry not really because it really those really things needed to be said. You know, some people are here tonight looking for a, a spouse, and you've got to quit looking so hard for a spouse, you've got to start looking to the Lord. Thank you for that amen. Because that's what you did, huh? Amen. All right, let's look at a prophet in the Bible. And this prophet's name is Agabus. In these days, came down from Jerusalem to Prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and prophesied by the Spirit that there would be a great famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Cedar. Wow, wouldn't that be a great prophetic word? <laughs> You'd just want to jump out and give that one, wouldn't you? Well, the reason that, that was important is because then the churches banded together when they heard that word. They didn't band together in fear. They said, hey, we, this is a good time now. Just like Joseph in Egypt, there were seven good years. Let's get together and let's send some, get some money together and let's prepare for this famine. And that's what they did. And the Lord helped them because of that. So, you know, Agabus did a good thing. But then in Acts chapter 21, it says this in verse 10, while we stayed there many days, talking about Luke is taught writing this, and he's talking about himself and Paul. He says, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. 
When he had arrived, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet, saying, Holy Spirit says, In this manner the Jews at Jerusalem shall bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. There's another great word. <laughs> I mean, Agabus, I'm, I'm sure Agabus had some other words that were not so drastic, but he had a clear vision of what was going to happen. But Paul knew that this was all going to work out for the good so that he could go to Rome and preach the gospel. That's what he wanted to do. And I don't think he feared this at all because he said, I'm going, still going to Jerusalem. I'm still going to go. Now, who were prophets other than him? Well, Philip's four daughters. Because if you back up one verse there, it says in verse 9 about Philip, he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So there were women that prophesied. How about another one in Luke? It says, when Jesus was brought to the temple by his mother Mary and Joseph, there was a woman who met them, Anna, who was a prophetess. And she prophesied over Jesus. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. So prophets are important in the kingdom of God. They're people who speak forth for the Lord. And let's go on to the evangelist. What is an evangelist? Is one who announces good tidings and one who always seeks the lost. That's what an evangelist does. How many here are evangelists? You feel that's what your calling is? Nobody? Wow. I'll tell you what Paul told Timothy. Do the work of an evangelist. Because <laughs> that's what all of us are supposed to do. Do the work of an evangelist. Amen. One example in the scripture is found in Acts 21, verse 8. And that's Philip. The next day we were we who were Paul's companions departed and arrived at Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now, was Philip always an evangelist? No, he was not. What was Philip initially? He was a believer. Right? But he was a faithful believer. Because when it came time to choose seven deacons to minister to the widows of the Gentile believers, well, proselytes, you know, non-straight non Jewish believers, okay? Philip was one of the ones that was chosen. One of the other ones, the seven that were chosen, was Stephen course who got began to evangelize and he got stoned for it but philip said he was not deterred by that but he said that he was going to be an evangelist no one sent him to samaria he went on his own to samaria why because god stirred him up god said go on up to samaria and preach to the people up there so that's what he did. He went up there and preached. And then the elders, John and Peter, caught up with him and said, Hey, we need to help you start this thing here. And they did. But Philip obeyed the word of the Lord. 
and he went out and evangelized. And then the word of the Lord said, after he went back to Jerusalem, the word of the Lord came to him and said, go and walk down on the desert road. And there you'll meet a man. And I don't think he even told him that he would meet a man. But eventually that's what he did. He met the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch. And you know that, let's not say that there was a great work done in Samaria, but there was not a great work done when he met the Ethiopian eunuch. And I, I don't want you to discount as an evangelist, because I'm going to tell you right now, every one of us are evangelists. So between now and Sunday, you're an evangelist, okay? Don't discount even the one person that you may meet and talk to about Jesus. Because Philip went down on that dusty road and met that Ethiopian eunuch. And that Ethiopian eunuch got saved and went back to Ethiopia and started one of the oldest churches in the world that's still in existence. And that's the Coptic Church of Ethiopia. Wow. What would happen this week? Between now and Sunday, we have three days. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, we have three days. What would happen if we share the love of Jesus to people that we come in contact with as the Holy Spirit directs us? Wow. Hope you get stirred up by the Holy Spirit to do that. Amen. All right, let's go on. Pastors. What do pastors do? Vincent says, and, so, and some of these definitions I've gotten from the Strong's or from Vincent's Word Studies. Pastors tend or feed the flock. But the word pastors is only here in Ephesians in the New Testament. It's not anywhere else, only there. Tend or feed the flock. Who does that? Everybody. Everybody. You're a pastor. You pastor. A small group or a large group, you pastor a group. You have people that you come in contact with that you tend and that you feed. In the book of Romans, chapter 16, verses 3 through 5, I didn't give this to the fellows, but, but it says there that there's a pastor, by the way, said Priscilla and Aquila and the church that is in their home. And commentators believe that Priscilla is listed first because she was really the pastor. And Aquila was her mainstay, her helper. You know, Brother Sherman does that with Sister Virginia. She's the lead pastor out there at Powerhouse, and he's her helper. She says, go do this. He goes and does it. Is that right, Brother Sherman? <laughs> You always have the last two words of any conversation? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> or yes, dear. <laughs> anyway, but look, that's, everyone pastors. And there are, every, there are people that are needed to be pastored. When Jesus restored Peter in John chapter 21, he didn't tell him to go pastor, but you know what he told him? 
feed or tend, depending on which translation you look at, feed or tend my sheep. So it's our responsibility. Well, I wish somebody would come into my neighborhood and really do some work there. Really? I wish somebody would come into my job and really do some work there. Really? Well, I wish somebody would come into Walmart and really do a work there. Really? When you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, there's the person. <laughs> there they are. They're the evangelist. They're the pastor. They're the, they're the prophet or the apostle or the teacher. Teacher, with or as a pastor, depending on what commentary you read, with or as, as a pastor, elaborating on the truth. And quickly read some verses here. Here's what Jesus said about teaching. He said this, Therefore every scribe who is dis discipled for the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is master of the household who brings out of his treasure new things and old. Brings out of his treasure new things and old. You know, just teach the same old things over and over again. But we add, we look, listen to the Holy Spirit, and we add things to it so that we can be growing up into the Lord. And then, over in 1 Timothy, Paul wrote this, For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and do not lie, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So teachers, and all the disciples, all of us really, need to be people of faith. But also, there's that word truth again. We have to be people of truth as well, to speak the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 2, excuse me. Here's where it comes from. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. These things also we proclaim, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You go teaching man's wisdom, that's not going to cut it. But which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Holy Spirit teaches us everything we need to know. He guides us. He directs us. He helps us. Going back to our original passage in Ephesians, verses 12 and 13 of chapter 4. Can you get those, fellas? It says this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, into a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. Amen. So stand up with me right now. As you stand up, you are standing up into the fullness of the measure of Christ. Right now. Right now. Stand up. You're standing up into the fullness of the measure of Christ. Holy Spirit, come right now. Minister unto each person that's here.
Lord, may they sense the anointing of the presence of the Holy Spirit to step into your calling, whatever you have for them to do, or to continue your calling, whatever that is. Lord, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And that great and mighty things can be done in this area to the glory of our God and King. We thank you for it, Lord, and we thank you for each one that is here. And Lord, may your word just continue in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.